All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. Um, Eddie nearly preached my message this morning. He might have been looking at my notes. I might have to keep an eye on him. <laughs> it's not going to be that short, I don't think. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6. The title of my message this morning is Battle Ready. Everybody say that. Battle Ready. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, this from the New King James Version, it says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't um, forget that small passage right there. We got to know where our strength comes from. The Bible says that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, which means they're not physical. There's nothing physical we can do in this thing. Um. Our weapons, our intelligence, all that stuff that we normally use physically, the Bible is saying that that's not going to work in this particular battle. It's spiritual battle, okay? So finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, think about that word, Against the wiles of the devil, that means strategy or schemes or plans of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all to done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all take the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all pre- perseverance and supplication for all the saints let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father right now we pray that you anoint this word lord lord we pray that you would um lord take this word and uh, put it in our heart And uh, Lord, each one of us, including myself, Lord, make us battle ready, Lord. Uh, When the enemy comes against your people, Lord, let them be equipped and able to stand in that evil day, in that fierce battle, Lord. Um, And we just pray that right now in the name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, how many know that we all, according to the scripture, um, we're going to have a spiritual battle. How many can recognize that? This is a universal battle. The enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And there are a lot of uh, Christians that don't 
um, understand that there is a army that is ready for battle and they're trying to destroy you. And because we don't recognize that, we're not ready for the battle. And you say, well, man, if people aren't ready for the battle, wouldn't we see evidence of that? That they weren't prepared, that they were destroyed, that they couldn't handle the fight. And church, I would just submit to you the world that you live in right now. And there are people whose lives are wrecked. Um, They don't know why they're getting hit so hard. They don't know why they're getting beaten up so much. They don't know why they can't function properly, why the mind just can't handle the overwhelming onslaught of the attacks against their life. And uh, how many know this is, again, I'll say a universal problem. And a lot of times in life we try to deal with these attacks of an invisible army. Let's face it, he's saying that our battle is not against flesh and blood. That means it's not human, it's not a human fight. You know, we're fighting against invisible powers. In fact, uh, and he gives a very structured army here. An army that has different levels, that has a hierarchy, and it's attacking you, and you have to be able to stand up against the enemy's onslaught. And so one of the maybe number one purposes of going to church is to be equipped for battle. Um, Almost everything that we teach, almost everything that we preach as the church is explaining uh, different pieces of equipment that you're going to have to have and how to use it. And so I want to look at this passage today. In fact, I would probably argue maybe one of the most preached passages in the entire Bible is the scripture. And I want to look in a little bit of detail here because what happens if you don't know there's an enemy? What happens if you don't know that you've been given weapons to fight and defend yourself? And what happens if you just are totally ignorant? um, And I don't say that in a negative way, just, just ignorant of the devices of the enemy, his schemes and his plans and how to defend yourself. Um, that's going to be a very difficult place to live. And remember, a lot of the world don't have these weapons of warfare. You know, the enemy is able to just destroy families and individuals and people, and they don't have this equipment to fight back. And so that's why we see so much addiction. That's why we see so much depression. And, uh, and I think the statistics will back me up on this. I mean, know that we are a nation full of addiction and depression, and anxiety, and fear, and all those things. And God doesn't want that to be the case. He wants us to be champions. He wants us to overcome the enemy and win this battle. And uh, so the first thing we look at is, I want to really look at the word wrestling there. Ephesians 6.12, I find this to be an interesting word. Um, In fact, it's the word Paul lay. And this is a term that means to struggle or literally to wrestle. And so we look at this term and we think, well, why in the world uh, does Paul use this word wrestle? 
And then what I find really interesting is, and there's two words here that, that I find really fascinating. It's that he says to wrestle or to fight, right? Or to struggle against this invisible army of demonic structure. And that word wrestle, what do we immediately think of? We think of uh, two people grappling and hand-to-hand fighting. And they're fighting at close range. And they're on a mat. And they're just struggling against each other and fighting, right? And But they're usually on the ground, right? Wrestling. But then he says, stand, which is really interesting. Verse 11, verse 12, he says, wrestle. Verse 11, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, but put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Then on verse 13, he says, stand, therefore, gird your waist with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So stand is a very prominent word in those three or four verses, but he also says, wrestle. And how many ever watch a wrestling match and they're not usually standing? They're usually on the ground fighting and uh, they're aggressively going after each other. They're hand-to-hand combat, but usually aren't standing. And so I just prayed about this. In fact, this is the whole purpose of the message is just God's answer to that question. Why stand when you're actually wrestling? Is that too... Things that don't make sense to me, you know, in my mind. I'm thinking engage the enemy, roll on the ground, you know, submit him. You know, this is a wrestling match. But then you start to begin to realize Paul is actually living in a culture that is the height of the Roman Empire. And Paul is referring to something that is the most popular sport um, in his day and age. And you say, well, what was it? Like wrestling like we have? Or was it boxing like we have? Or is it, you know, what type of fighting is it? And as I began to look at this, it kind of gives you answers here. It says in Paul's day, there was only one rule to winning in their wrestling matches. The only way to win in ancient wrestling was to be the last man on his feet. Or what we would call last man standing. Listen to this. They had what they called the palestra. Which was the house of combat sports. Boy, isn't that something? The house of combat sports. Where am I going with this? Well, if Paul's using this as an example, let's figure out what he's looking at as his example for the scripture, because I think it will help us in our fight. There were three different styles of fighting in the palestra. One was the boxers. You say, oh, wow, they must have uh, played by the uh, Marcus of Queensberry rules, right? They probably had 14, 16-ounce gloves. They probably had gentleman rules. They probably had a standing eight count. Here's the definition they give. The boxing was extremely violent. They had to wear helmets. Most died in the ring. They wore gloves ribbed with steel and sometimes serrated and sometimes spiked with nails. They often had deformed faces and it was common 
to hit with your thumb extended to knock the eye completely out of the socket. There were basically no rules and no rounds. They fought till one died or surrender, and usually they died. Stand, therefore. Which, that's terrible, Chad. That's awful. Some of you are looking at me like, wow, that's terrible. But I'm just telling you, in that day, this is uh, uh, different generations. Fighting was different, you know. And even ours, you know, we, we had bare knuckle fighting for a long time, uh, several hundred years ago, and then it went to more gentlemanly rules, and, you know, then they went to the Marcus of Queensbury rules, and now it's very regulated, and now they almost won't even fight each other. <laughs> you know, it's really changed a lot. But how I many you know every generation is different, and eventually the Romans devolved into the gladiator games, which was extremely violent. I mean, they were being mauled by animals and bears and all that kind of thing, but Paul is looking at a spiritual fight here that is pretty uh, um, tough. Much tougher than what we think when when we say for, you know, we wrestle. Well, I wasn't thinking of that, <laughs> you know. I wasn't thinking about standing there deformed and mangled and being the last man standing. I was thinking, you know, we had rules in this game. I was thinking there was a time limit, and I was thinking there might be rounds, and I was thinking the the good referee might step in, you know, and stop this thing. Then there were the wrestlers. They also fought to the death. Favorite tactics of most of the wrestlers were to grab the waist from behind and throw them in the air, trying to break their backbone. Choking and strangling were standard You could break fingers, fracture ribs, gouge faces, and knock eyes out. Boy, wrestling's a little different than that day, (laughs) wouldn't you say? I know this is graphic, I'm sorry. And then there was a third group called the Pancreatus. Literally, they were a combination of the first two, and more of them died than surrendered as well. And so Paul is looking at what's going on in his day, And he's saying, church, you're in a fight to the death. And you're either going to win against the enemy or you're going to lose against the enemy. And when he mixes wrestling against principalities and powers and all these demonic and dark forces, they're coming against your family. They're coming against the people you love. They're coming against uh, you personally every day. And he's saying, you better listen, church, to what I'm saying, and you better be battle ready because the goal is, I'm sure if you will put on this gear, you will be the last man standing. And you say, well, I'm going to stand and I'm going to be like Muhammad Ali was. He said, oh, my face is so pretty. They didn't even put a scratch on me. That's not the wrestling we're talking about here. We're saying you're going to go through some things. There's going to be a fight. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be long. In fact, I was looking this up, and uh, there were no time limits in those matches. In fact, they said even back to 19... What year was this? Um, Back in 1912 at the Olympics in Stockholm, Sweden, they said the silver medal bout lasted for 10 hours and 15 minutes. I didn't even know that they had that that recently, that long of a wrestling match. 
But can you imagine matches that have no time limits? And so Paul is talking here not only about an enemy that really wants to hurt you, but he's talking about endurance that you're going to have to have for the fight. And how many know that in America we don't always have that endurance? But these uh, wrestlers, these fighters, they train their entire life for the rigors of what the competition is going to be. And so that competition is going to be an enemy that really wants to hurt you, and I'm going to have to outlast him and outendure him, and the stakes are really high if I'm going to be in this arena. And so Paul is using that as an example, and he's saying this is very similar to the fight we're going to have in our life against the enemy, but he's also assuring them that you're going to be able to stand. That if you put on this gear that God has given you, in fact, it's called the armor of Chad. Or it's called the armor of Eddie, right? Or it's called the armor of Angela. How many know it's called the armor of God? It's actually his armor. When you put this on, you're actually putting on Christ. You're actually putting on his armor. And when the enemy sees that, he knows that he's not going to win. He knows he has no ability to stand against you. And so the Bible says, just stand Withstand the enemy, stand there, be the last man standing. You're going to win this battle, but it is a fierce fight. It's a fight that we're going to win. It's a fight that we can stand there and we can win this battle. And so as we look at the, the fight and what Paul is asking us to do to be ready for a battle, then we ask then how, what do I need to do to be able to stand? And one illustration I really like is from a youth ministry magazine many years ago. And this guy was a 14-year veteran Navy SEAL. And as a Navy SEAL, they had a readiness code. Like to tell you what level of readiness you need to be. And so he took that readiness code from the Navy SEALs and he applied it to Christians. And here's what it sounds like. He had the one that was called a cold white or a conditioned white. And it says the soldier is relaxed and daydreaming. Unaware of his surroundings, a Christian in this condition is easy prey for Satan. That's a Navy SEAL using his training as a Navy SEAL and just evaluating where we are in our readiness level. Battle ready is the title of my message. And so I want you to think about your life right now. And don't say, uh, well, the person next to me, I know they're not battle ready. We're not talking about them right now. Think about your life. Evaluate your readiness level as I go through this. And also think about the world we live in. How many people are battle ready? How many even know that there's an enemy um, that is really coming against everybody's life? Against the world. I mean, you say, well, why is the news? Why does it sound the way? Because there's an enemy. And very well organized and very much against human beings. Okay? The second readiness level was conditioned yellow or code yellow. The soldier is relaxed physically, but alert mentally. A believer at this level may sense trouble coming, but he's not yet ready to confront it. How many have ever got up like that? How many have ever been like, I'm not even ready, you know, like I'm totally relaxed. I'm a cold white. 
Code yellow, man. I'm mentally alert. I know the enemy is prowling around, but I really am not ready to confront the enemy. I'm not ready for a fight. You know, try me another day, Satan. I'm not ready to fight today. I may have seen both of these in society and around us and in the church. And Code orange. The soldier is physically prepared. Okay, he's got all of his gear ready. Mentally alert and ready to fight. A believer at this stage has on the full armor of God. So that's a pretty good readiness level there. Then there's a cold red. As in cold orange, the soldier's ready to fight. The difference is experience. A battle seasoned Christian knows quickly what to do because of his experience and familiarity with scripture. Whenever, as a follower of Christ, happens to be at work or at the mall or a business trip, even among fellow believers, we need to know about Satan's methods and be prepared to resist. He always seems to attack at our most vulnerable moments, but if we stay alert and armed, we can fend off the most powerful attacks. How many have ever seen somebody that is well-equipped and always in every season they're ready for a demonic attack? And can I tell you, the enemy, um, if you study warfare and you study battles, you recognize that one of the real tactics and schemes of an enemy is to find when they're most vulnerable. That's why you see over the history of wars, a lot of times they would attack on holy days, or they would attack on holidays, or they would attack at times in the night when they were sleeping. And so the enemy does pick vulnerable times and so if I am a person who is alert and ready for an enemy attack I know if I'm tired what is probably going to happen that's ideal Um, if one thing goes terribly wrong on that day guess what day he probably is going to attack that day And so we've got to be aware of the Satan's schemes and you say, well, man, everything's just going wrong today. Everything is not right today. That person said the wrong thing today. You know, this happened today. And and, and we've just got to understand that there is a war going on in our lives. So how do we stand? And you heard him say the difference between the one who's ready and equipped from the cold orange to the cold red is the person who has experience in fighting. You can't discount that. In fact, I don't, I've followed boxing my whole life, and how many know there's a progression as a fighter to be a championship fighter? In fact, they will try to find a guy that is good, but not too good. You know, they want every style. They want a short, stocky fighter who's got a big punch and has to get inside. They want a nice, lengthy fighter that can kind of hit you from the outside. They want a guy who, who, who's got a good chin. You know, they want all kinds of different fighters. They want a guy that's got good hand speed. You know, they want all kinds of different fighters. Why? Because they want to prepare that person for a championship fight. So they will put him in there and he'll be 5-0 and and... 8-0 and 10-0, and but he's still not ready. He has to go through a lot of experiential training in order to fight. And how many know God will do that with you? God will measure how much the enemy is allowed to attack because he's trying to make you an experienced fighter. 
A person who knows how to handle himself, knows his equipment very well. So as we're looking to stand, here's some things I want you to think about. Number one, do you know that there is a battle? Like, are you aware of that? Do you think about it? You know, like when you get ready to go to work on Monday, you may sense there's a battle. How many ever say to themselves, man, I am not looking forward to doing this tomorrow? And you know, some of you don't like Mondays, you know what I'm talking about. But how many knows we can all sense that there's going to be a battle? But that's not the same as preparing for battle. Sensing the battle is not the same as preparing for battle. Right? And so this is the first thing we have to do and Paul's asking us to do. He says, know who your enemy is. Know that he's going to be waiting for you and know there's going to be a battle and know that you can't fight it with your physical abilities. You have to do this through God. Through His Word. Right? Second thing is know there is a day. Notice he said that uh, he wants you to be, be prepared for the day of evil. That's uh, the Bible's way of saying God wants you to be ready for the hot battle. Like there's going to come a day when the battling is going to be the heaviest. And the enemy's onslaught is going to come. How many know there's a day that the, an enemy will array themselves? Um, how many remember Operation Desert Storm and it was shock and awe? And so the enemy will a lot of times come immediately in the beginning and try to literally intimidate you. They'll try to do certain things where they don't have to lose any men. Uh, the fighting won't be nearly so hard. They want you to just back down. So a lot of times in the Bible, you see when somebody's about to do something for God, um, that's when they get attacked. You know, in fact, many places, Jesus, for instance, at the beginning of his ministry was the heaviest attack. And you see this all through the Bible. David, before he became king, the heaviest battle was right there. Abraham was tested the most before he began to fulfill the call of God in his life. And how many of you know the enemy will come to you and he will try to preemptively get you to quit? So you'll often see when a person first comes to the Lord, where's the battle the heaviest? And you'll see somebody when they're getting ready to deal with issues in their life, when is the battle the heaviest? And so one of the ones I like to look at here in this onslaught is, uh, the Bible says the shield of faith will protect you whenever the flaming arrows come towards you. Now how many know that if you are being attacked by an enemy, they would much rather pick you off from a distance? Um, in fact, today we would call them snipers. And the ability of the fiery arrow, the flaming arrow, is the enemy shooting you from a distance. He's trying to pick you off and make you panic. Uh, and, and even if you, they say even if you were to block one of these arrows, they're flaming arrows. And they said a lot of armies would not progress any because they panicked so much from the fiery arrows. In fact, they were all just waiting and hiding and then all of a sudden arrows just come raining down from everywhere. And he, and this is not just a little Captain America shield. Okay, this is a full body. You get down and you get under that shield. And so the enemy, what he's going to try to do, he's going to try to pick you off before you even have a hand to hand combat. 
And the Bible says that you're going to have to understand, and I don't have time this morning to go in great detail with every piece, but I'm just going to tell you the importance of each piece. And the instructions come every week, every Bible study, every time we're together. How many know that we're sharpening your understanding of each piece? And so the shield of faith will be sharpened. I really would recommend, if you ever want to really study this very well, um, the greatest book that I've seen written concerning the scripture uh, from a writer is a guy by the name of William Garnall. And he was a Puritan writer in like the 1500s and 1600s, uh, way, way back, 500-year-old book. And, uh, and uh, David Wilkerson, how many are familiar with him? When he first went to New York City, uh, he was helping people that were considered incurable at that time. He was taking people off the streets. He was in the middle of the, the toughest gangs, the worst drug addicts. And he just came in there and God began to heal these people. I mean, people, the worst gang members in New York City were getting saved under his ministry. The worst drug addicts were being, were being, um, uh, finding recovery through his ministry. And God was doing mighty things through him. And after he had been there for a little while, an old, wise, godly man who lived in the city, a pastor by the name of Leonard Ravenhill, put his arm around David Wilkerson and he said, you know what? He said, I think you're ready for this. And he gave him the old William Grinnell books. It's 1,300 pages. He spent his entire life defining each of the pieces of the warfare. So the shield of faith, he's got volumes written on the shield of faith. And uh, so David Wilkerson hired a, a um, editorial staff and took it out of the old English and made it into modern English and published three volumes, 12, 1,300 pages. William Grinnell called the complete armor of God. But how many know every time we come into church, that's what we're doing. We're trying to sharpen your understanding of your equipment. And this equipment would be called general issue. When you go in the military, how many uh, realize that there's what's called a general issue? Meaning every soldier gets certain things. How exciting, man. Let me ask you this question. How exciting would it be uh, every time we came into church to say, hey, we're going to be on the shooting range today. We're going to be showing you how to take apart your gun We're going to show you how to clean it. We're going to show you how to oil it. We're going to show you how to shoot it properly. We're going to show you how to, you know, do everything that you need to do with this gun. And then there's other certain general issue things that you're going to find on your tool belt. On your tool belt, wow. We're going to the gun range today? Because you've got to be ready for a battle. Well, a lot of men would be like, oh man, I'm excited. Some of the women would be like, I'm excited. But... That's what we're doing in church. There's the warfare, the weapons of warfare are different. They're spiritual. And so we look at each one and so how am I able to stand? What can I do when people in the church are in the middle of a hot battle? How many know that we have a lot of people in the middle of fierce battles? They're in the day of evil. They're in the day where the enemy's arrayed against them. Well, what can I do but equip and, and help everybody fight the battle and win. In church, we're losing a lot of battles we could win. But we're gaining experience in every battle. How many know that? We're gaining valuable experience. And so let's look at some of these things that are going to help us stand. 
I started with the um, shield of faith. And um, there is a very broad attack on your faith. And that faith is what is going to protect you from a large portion of the enemy's attacks. And so a lot of the things that we will talk about in churches do not lay that shield down. And you say, well, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm mad. Chad, I'm tired of being attacked. I'm tired of the enemy doing this. I'm tired of the enemy doing that. And there are a lot of people that uh, they say, uh, I don't want to fight anymore. And on the battlefield... Uh, they had an old saying in the old battles, and it very much applies to the Christian life. Um, they said it's better to be brought home on your shield than to lay your shield down and run. And a lot of people that were in battle would prefer they literally brought them home on their shield. That they died with their shield in their hand holding on to it. And can I tell you, that shield of faith covers your entire body. And as long as that shield of faith is there, the Bible says you're going to be victorious. And so I'm just telling you today, I'm encouraging you today. When the fighting gets hot, when the fighting gets heavy, when it looks like the enemy has got the best of you, he's going to try to tell you, lay that shield of faith down. He's going to put doubts. He's going to put fears. How do you know? I said a lot of people panicked when they seen the arrows. They panicked. You can imagine. Imagine walking around your campsite and you're in the military and you know that there are snipers that are all along the hills how many think that would make you panic a little bit you say well i've never had that happen to me just imagine you're going to work every day and you know there are snipers and the bible is saying that's what the enemy one of his tactics he's going to try to pick you off you know a random thought a random thing and you say well random thoughts ain't gonna make me afraid You're not living the world I'm living in. I mean, oh, a lot of people are picked off by those random thoughts of the enemy. The enemy is able through those arrows, it hits you. My shield of faith not up. I'm not walking in faith. I'm not walking my faith in Jesus Christ. And Satan hits you. And all of a sudden, Chad, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of what might happen tomorrow. I'm so afraid of what might happen to my job. What happened with my family? I'm afraid of my weaknesses. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. How many know those are incoming missiles from the enemy? And God's saying, hey, I gave you that shield. Raise up your faith. Right now, you need to trust me. You say, but I can't trust you. Well, you don't have a shield then. He's saying, trust me. That's the thing I gave you. It's a full body. You know, the enemy's putting doubts. The enemy's putting fear. I've got a shield of faith, right? Then he says, put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Listen to this. The belt holds the other pieces of clothing and armor together. It secures the outfit, allows the soldier um, to move freely without holding all of his weapons. He's got them at his disposal on his side. Um, When a man sits down and was relaxed... Many times he would loosen his belt. Some of us have loosened our belt for years. Right? So what happens when you loosen your belt of truth? 
Hmm. Good question. John 8.44 says Satan is the father of lies. So sometimes we loosen the belt of truth and we say, you know what? Truth is what I say it is. And we start getting these ideas of what we think the truth is. And how many know from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Satan started twisting God's word. He started twisting things around. We began to think that we were wise in our own eyes and we started loosening that belt a little more and a little more and a little more. And then all of a sudden, here we are. I don't even have my belt on anymore. Read my Bible. Yeah, I read my Bible all the time, but you haven't read it for a year. And so why do we go to church? Why do we have Bible studies on a Wednesday, on a Saturday, on a Sunday? Uh, we do those things because we want to keep that belt ready. We don't want to loosen that belt. We want to keep it on at all times and not loosen it up. And it's figurative. I mean, understand, it's figurative. But we loosen our belt up a lot of times and the culture comes in and says, oh, you don't need that belt. You know, that Bible's irrelevant. That truth is irrelevant. All these things are irrelevant. So, hey, just loosen it up a little bit. And Satan knows if you loosen that belt of truth, you won't be able to fight him in that day of the hot battle. In fact, you'll know nothing about that belt. It'll, be, it'll feel foreign to you. Did you know average uh, armor over the course of history, the average armor for a soldier, it's different with different armies, different periods. The average weight is 100 pounds. He said, well, man, I could put that on and run with it. Why do you think the Bible says be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might? Because you got to go through a lot of training just to be able to carry an extra hundred pounds around. And you say, well, Chad, it's a burden for me to be a Christian at work. Oh, no, he didn't go there. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know how my household is. I can't be a Christian at home. You don't know how these things are difficult for me. And, and God's saying, hey, right now when it's not the hot battle, live for God. Put on the armor. Walk around with that armor on. Get used to the feel of it. Get used to it being on you. Be prepared, ready for anything, ready at any time. And you say, what does that mean? That means, hey, right now when there's not a battle, I better be pouring God's truth into my life. I better get used to having that tool belt on. I better be answering a lot of questions that are going to bring doubts in my mind later. I better be praying through some things. I better be ready because I want to be battle ready. And so put that belt of truth on and don't take it off. Don't let the culture make you take it off. Hallelujah. I told you I wouldn't be able to go through all of them, but breastplate of righteousness. I want you to think about something. In fact, uh, they say Paul, when he wrote this, was in a prison and he had two Roman soldiers on either side of him. So as he's writing this and getting revelation from the Lord, he's just looking at what they're wearing. And so I want you to think if you were uh, had two officers um, in the uh, Evansville Police Department and you were in jail and they had to guard you um, all day and you were looking at what they were wearing. And you're like, wow, you know, you got nothing to do. You sit there and see what they're wearing, you know. And they got that bulletproof vest on. You know, got that Kevlar full torso covering every major organ uh, that that police officer has, and that's what you're looking at with the Roman soldier. And so he's saying you need that. 
Because every vital part of your Christian life is going to be based on the righteousness of God. You say, well, why is this important? Because if you don't understand the righteousness of God, um, that could be a deadly shot to your liver. Deadly shot to your heart. And the enemy is looking for some way uh, to destroy you through this righteousness thing. And you say, well, Chad, I understand the message, and I'm going to go home and I'm going to be the most righteous person that God has ever put on this earth. I'm going to do it right. And I can tell you before you walk out the door, you're going to fail. Say, but Chad, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be better. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to fight really hard. I'm going to try to be obedient to the law of God and and, and try to do every command that God has. I'm going to try to do it perfectly. And I'll tell you, you're about to get a uh, liver-piercing shot from an arrow. Because you don't understand the righteousness of God. And every time we come into the house of the Lord, we need to be instructing people on His righteousness. Um, You go out and you say that I'm going to do it myself. And then you fail. And then you go to the other extreme. You're condemning yourself. And how many know condemnation will destroy you? Condemnation will say that I thought I was going to turn over a new leaf. I thought I was going to do it with my own weapons. I thought I was going to do it with my own strength. But I failed. Now I'm really, really bad and I'm no, no good. And the enemy's saying, don't come to the house of the Lord. And the enemy's saying, you can't do it. And, and you know what? The truth is you couldn't do it to begin with. And so Jesus Christ wants you to know his righteousness. You know, his righteousness puts you in right standing with God. And it's not by your effort. It's by his effort. And we serve Him because we love Him, not because we're trying to uh, win His affection. And so God wants you to understand this peace of righteousness because if you don't understand what He did for you on the cross, if you don't understand what state you were in when He found you, if you don't understand you were lost and He found you, you were a sinner and you've been cleaned up by the blood of Jesus, if you don't understand what He did for you, you're going to try to do it yourself. And when you do it yourself, you're open for the attack of the enemy. And so God wants us to understand this peace called His righteousness. It's not works-based. It's not based on what you do, but it's based on what He did, and that's why we love Him so much. Hallelujah. Footwear. Wow. It was said that Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar both Their armies were so nimble and so quick because of their footwear. They had some type of a shoe that they designed that had some type of uh, spikes in it, almost like we would think cleats. And so if you've ever went into battle on a football field, the first thing you do is you get the steel-tipped cleats, and boy, they're, they're fun. Sometimes you get them in your chin, sometimes you get your hands stepped on. But how many know if you go out there in tennis shoes, and you try to play football without still told or still tip cleats, uh, it's very difficult to get traction. And so one of the things he says is, your footwear is the gospel of peace. That means that I am on a mission in my life. My mission is what God 
is asking me to do. And wherever I go, whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get traction. I'm going to go right where God says I'm going to go. And you say, well, wait a minute. That's no part of my life. I have no desire to do what God has called me to do in my life. And, and that's what I'm trying to say today. If you're not, this is an indicator that I'm in the fight. <laughs> that I'm actually in the battle. That I actually can move with God. You say, well, God's called me to fight this. You better be able to get the right traction with the gospel and make sure you know what the message is and make sure you know what the good news is and get traction because God wants you to fight and God wants you to win. You say, well, Chad, I'm not getting any traction. Well, maybe it's because you don't know the gospel of peace. You say, well, what is this message about? Learning each of the pieces. We need to understand what the good news is. Okay, if we don't understand what the good news is, if we don't understand the message of victory, the message of authority, the message of what God is calling us to do in this fight, how will we ever get the traction to be successful? And they say Alexander the Great's army moves so swiftly because they can move through the mountains, they can move through the mud, they can move through the grass, they can move through anywhere. And if you've ever had traction, in fact, I'll tell you this, I've told you guys this before, a very odd thing about me is one time when I was a young man, my brother wrestled me and I had socks on. It's the only time he got the better of me because I slid around, slid around, had no traction. He had shoes on. So to this day, I don't usually ever walk around in socks anymore just because I'm thinking somebody might grab me and I've got to wrestle. But how many know traction is that important? Like if you don't have traction... And that's really way too far in my mind, isn't it? <laughs> but God wants us to understand this footwear thing. Like where we can move, where God's called us to move. We've got the gospel of peace. And church, if you don't have the peace that God gives, man, I'm telling you, life's going to be very difficult. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And I'm going to add one more before I close here. I could spend, literally, I could spend the whole year on the armor of God. But uh, the, the next thing he says is uh, pray. And uh, church, we have to be praying, crying out to God, telling Him what the battle is. Because go, what God will do, uh, Psalm 18 is a great one. David talks about how he cried out to the Lord. God armed him, gave him a battle plan. He won. He became the ruler over those people that he defeated. And then he began to praise God for his uh, arming him in the battle. And so prayer, every battle you'll see in the Bible is different. You say, well, Jack, give me a one, two, three, four, and tell me how I'm going to win the one that's in front of me. And I can't do that in general. You have to pray and God has to lead you to the plan of victory. And you say, well, which weapon am I using? Do I just come in with my sword of truth? That's one I missed right there. I knew I was missing one. Sword of truth is awesome weapon of word of God. Do I just come in with a blazing and just start shouting all kinds of scriptures? And do I, and then my shields are all over the place and then my belt. No, God will direct you how to fight the battle. Jesus was in the wilderness and the sword of truth, you know, the enemy would say something and Jesus would say, no, this is what the word says. And he would battle with the word of God. And uh, so prayer is a big one. You say, well, 
How do I do it? You just go to the Lord and say, here's the battle. Lord, help me in this battle. Led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give you a battle plan. And you'll begin to understand, hey, here's the battle. Um, here's how you're going to fight this battle. Here's the Scriptures. Here's the promises. Uh, here's the path to victory. And church, can I tell you again, when I close here, and you can stand to your feet, worship team. We are guaranteed victory. We're guaranteed to be standing last. We're guaranteed to be able to fight the enemy through God and win. You say, well, I'm not winning right now. My question is, are you fighting? You know, fight today, fight tomorrow, fight the next day, but we're going to win. Don't drop the shield, don't drop the sword, don't drop the belt. You know, understand each piece and begin to grow in your ability to fight. You say, well, man, I haven't won yet. Well, maybe you're not that one who's on the cold red who is experienced enough to win. God's going to begin to... In fact, I love the Scripture that says, I teach your your arms to make war. Because one of the Scriptures, God says, I teach your hands to make war. And uh, how many know that all of us are standing behind that shield of faith? God is teaching us how to fight. He's teaching us how to win. We just got to stand. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and I just pray your anointing upon these warriors, Lord. Lord, you have equipped us. Lord, you have equipped us with so much to fight, Lord, to win. Lord, you've given us your armor. It's impenetrable by the enemy. The enemy knows that. Lord, you've given us a guaranteed victory. We just have to stand, Lord. And Lord, today I just pray that you would make your people battle ready. Father, that you would teach them to stand. Stand to the very end, Lord God. Lord, fight the enemy. Beat the enemy, Lord God. Father, I just pray right now that you would um, help them recognize, Lord, that they are coming to the enemy in your strength and your power. And Lord, that we are unbeatable, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray that today over your people. And uh, church, I would just want to invite you. You're in the middle of a battle. You're in the middle of a fight. Uh, I just want you to kind of put this into practice. Pray. Pray. And then pray. And how many know that God will give you the victory? It's guaranteed. He'll give you the victory, but we've got to fight. We've got to stand. We've got to engage the enemy. We've got to know there's a battle. We can't ignore the battle anymore. We've got to have a readiness. We've got to have an equipping. We've got to have a spirit to fight and not give up. And if we'll fight to the end. Remember when Paul at the end of his life said, I have fought the good fight. And he fought it to the very end. What do you think he looked like spiritually by the end? He looked mangled and he looked like he'd been in a fight. In church, we're going to look like that when we're done spiritually. We're going to look like that champion in the arena that's still standing. Everything came against us, but we're still standing. Hallelujah. So give the Lord a little bit of time this morning. Find a place at the altar if you need prayer. Make an altar at your seat. Hallelujah. But just take a few moments to pray. Hallelujah.
we close in a word of prayer, let me say this. You're still standing. We're still standing, church. You know, God is able to protect us. God is able to defend us. You've got the shield of faith, and the enemy knows that you're still standing, and there's nothing he can do about it because the shield of faith. But how many know there's more than just being protected? You know, we want to be protected, and I'm proud of everybody that you're still standing, but God wants to put a sword in our hand. He would like us to get up every day and the enemy not being after us and protecting us from the enemy, but he wants us to put the enemy to flight. He wants the enemy to be running when we walk in the room, church, because of the anointing of God that's on our life, because of the sword of the Spirit that's in our hand, because of the gifts that God has poured upon his church. He said he has made us mighty through the Holy Spirit for the tearing down of every stronghold. So church, there are degrees to this battle. We're still standing, and I'm so proud of everybody for standing. And We're still here, church. But God wants to teach us what our weapons of warfare are for. And we're going we're gonna to grow in that, and God's going to make you an experienced fighter in that realm that we don't see. And we're going to be champion wrestlers. We're going to stand the arena and we're going to be victorious. And you know, every victory that we have as individuals, how many know that strengthens the church and it strengthens other people's ability to win in their life? But when we say he can't be beat, he can't be beat, then that discourages other people. And how many know God gave us the weapons of warfare to win the battle on that evil day of battle? Hallelujah. And we're going to win it, church. We just got to trust in our weapons, trust in our God, trust in his strength, trust in his might. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, right now, I pray that this be more than just words, Lord God, that we take this. Lord God, we we grow, Lord God, in our weapons of warfare. God, we begin to be strengthened in the Spirit. Lord, that we have discernment, Lord God. That we have a sword of the Spirit, Lord God. Lord, that we have a relationship with the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, that we go and we tear down every stronghold, Lord. Every work of the enemy, Lord God. That, Father, we go on the offensive as the church to tear down the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Lord, do a mighty work through this church, Lord God. Bless them, Lord, as they go. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah.